I'd like to thank KTMS 990 and Montecito Bank and Trust for making Scam Squad possible. I'm Patty Teal. And I'm Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. Scam Squad is up next. Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. One, two, three, four. Scam Squad. Part two of our interview with retired FBI fraud investigator Debbie Deem. What I'm seeing in the future is the use of facial recognition as well as audio and video deep fakes. So that's where your voice or your picture, your image, videos that appear to be you talking. And it kind of goes in with what we see with happening with celebrities, where a celebrity may contact you or appear on your social media site and tell you that they're in love with you or they've got this great investment opportunity. Elon Musk's name was used recently. George Strait has been used a lot in romance crimes, as well as some other people. Toby Keith kind of probably depends on your kind of music you like, you're going to have a certain scammers that go to that. So I think that whole issue of just fakes and whether it's deep fake by cloning a voice of somebody that's well known, I think that's more and more the ways that future fraudsters are going to be using that technology to defraud us. People actually make a video that looks like the person already. Is that being done? Well, I think what they're doing is they're actually taking the pictures and they're also oftentimes they can get the words that these people are saying and they can recombine the words to make it into something else. There was one case that was something about a CEO where artificial intelligence was used to clone a company's director's voice and steal $35 million in just one-time heist. So they are doing this. At this time, it's usually against businesses, but I think we're increasingly seeing it with celebrities. It's being used now. And I have one case, I remember when I worked for the FBI, this woman that was just adamant that it was her son's voice telling her that he was in trouble and that he needed money. And she was told to go down to the local Bitcoin ATM, put in those $20 bills and turn it into Bitcoin, right? And this was several years ago. And she was adamant that it was his voice that she heard. And she was very very cognitive, really on top of things. And sitting back on it now, I'm wondering if maybe, you know, this was one of those kind of scammers that had access. And her her son was actually a pretty high profile guy. So maybe they even had access to his voice. I don't know. I'm seeing this as a trend. I'm seeing more and more articles about it and descriptions of it. So especially the use of celebrities. Some of the most heartbreaking romance crimes I've had involve people impersonating celebrities. And they're supposed to be the blue check program where if it's a legitimate celebrity social media site, there's a little blue check on it to verify that it's real. But some of those, I think you have to be really, really careful and and recognize that that celebrity is probably not going to be divorcing his or her wife to marry you. Or that investment that that celebrity is pitching is probably not that really the celebrity doing it. That's really frightening, though, because I you can see how people will, would get sucked in. You see the face, you see them talking, their voice is coming out of the person's mouth. Like a science fiction, isn't it? It is like a science fiction. And so my question is, how do you really know who you're dealing with? I mean, obviously the red flags are if they ask for money, you're dealing with a scammer. If they say they're going to divorce their, their, you know, Paul Newman is not going to divorce <laughs> his well, wife. I mean, to be that's with the you. kind of names that are actually being out there. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. he's deceased, I think. But yeah, but it is really scary that's happening. And the, the other thing, though, they're doing is, and these are some real sad ones, too, where they're actually the fraudsters. And, and this was used, actually, Vicky, in the, the case of the cryptocurrency romance scam victim that we were. Victims are actually getting videos 
And there are other victims who are told to endorse this certain Bitcoin, you know, Bitcoin exchange or the scammer is really a legitimate guy and he's going to help you get your money. And he's just this wonderful guy to invest in and all this kind of thing. And it's actually other victims that are being told that they have to do this. They're basically being extorted and said, you do this. If you want to get your money back, you've got to act like I'm a successful kind of person in doing this. And so these victims are doing this because, of course, they think they're going to get their money back. And, of course, they end up not getting it. But then that video is out there to use with other victims. I have seen some of those, and they're very, very tragic. That's so sad. Is there anything else that we need to be aware of uh, at the moment or... I think those are the biggest ones, um, the crypto and investment kinds of things, um, okay. you know, about that. And certainly money mules are still very, very big right now. So I think just being very, very, very careful and cautious. And if anyone asks for money, if anyone tells you it's a secret or there's urgency in what they're asking for or the ways that, that they ask for payment, those are can all be big tip-offs to you that it's definitely a fraud. It's a fraud. So, Debbie, I know just in the same way that you don't want to be referred to as retired. What did you say you wanted to be? <laughs> unleashed. Unleashed. Okay. I love that. And I also love, <laughs> Debbie, that you are trying to break the stigma because our YouTube channel is wonderful and most people are so positive. But there are a few that kind of go after the victim, like, how could she fall for that? Or how could he fall for that? And it's sad when you hear that. Yeah. And let, let me yeah. talk about that real quick, because I think labels and language really matters in these kinds of crimes. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we do have a different way of treating or thinking about people that are victims of violent crimes versus these financial and cyber crimes. And I was a victim advocate back in the 1980s. And I remember what it was like for sexual assault victims back then. And thankfully, that has changed very much. And we don't blame the victim for how they were dressed or how that they were out at two o'clock in the morning or they had one too many drinks. We're hopefully kind of beyond that. And we need to kind of get to that stage with these kinds of victims now. I think even using the word scam, because when I started thinking about it, a scam to me implies something that maybe it's a consumer kind of fraud, where maybe you're, you're out a couple hundred dollars or something. For most of the fraud victims that I have dealt with, it's their life savings. It's putting them in hock. It's the need for bankruptcy. They may put them in the position of even stealing from their families and having to declare bankruptcy. These are much more than even a consumer fraud or a scam. And then sometimes the ways that we we talk about their losses. I mean, I try to avoid now saying that victims lost money. They didn't lose that money. That money was stolen from them. Saying that somebody was scammed or that they were duped, that again implies blame on the victim or that they were stupid or greedy or gullible. All those kinds of words that we don't use again when we're talking about violent crime victims, but have been used certainly to describe even by themselves a victim to saying it. And these were people that were defrauded. I mean, that's the simple term to use instead of that. They weren't duped. If they were duped, anybody can be duped. And I know, Vicki, one of the things we always say is that there's a scam for everybody. Mm. Um, The charity scams, the Bernie Madoff, um, there's a scam for everybody out there. And if you're lucky enough just not to have been caught by one or were particularly alert that day, good for you. But it doesn't mean it can't happen tomorrow. Using the word con artist, even. These aren't con artists. These are criminals. Yeah, that almost puts them on a pedestal, an artist, you know. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. They excel at that, what they do. And even consumer frauds, mass marketing frauds, and a nonviolent crime, I, I just go off when I tear up the word term nonviolent 
crime because a lot of these crimes include threats. They'll include sextortion or extortion, just some horrific kinds of things that can happen to these victims. And when we're putting this kind of label or, or language onto them, I understand why many of them won't report it or many of them feel ashamed and have a hard time or the judgment that comes down on them for filing that report or telling a neighbor or a friend. or a, So um, those can all be issues. I love your mission. It's great. Debbie, we do need to keep that in mind. We have to be careful of the language that we use. We don't want to discourage people or make people wary of reporting these terrible crimes. And we have to always remember these are crimes and the people that perpetrate these crimes are criminals. And let's just call them that. Let's call them thieves. Let's call them fraudsters. Let's call them what they are. But I think the word technology facilitated fraud is a much better term to use. And I've okay. thought about this for a lot of years. And I, I really think this is the term I'm going to settle on and, and try to get people to start using. And you, by using that word technology facilitated fraud, the technology can keep changing, but it's still fraud. Okay. I like that. Technology facilitated fraud. That certainly encompasses exactly what we're seeing. And, and the other uh, thing real quick, Nikki, is that it also, if you make it transnational technology facilitated fraud, we're including and recognizing that many of these fraud crimes involve transnational organized crime, which they do. Oh, so it's not mm-hmm. just our 70 or 80 year old or a 20 year old that got something online. They're really up against organized crime that's involved sometimes in many different countries. So it has the ability to add that kind of function to it when it is crossing a border or involves more than one country, which so many of these crimes do. We have to recognize that this is organized crime. This is a big, big business like the mafia. I mean, it is organized crime and that's what we're up against. How can people connect safely online with others? I mean, what kind of sites are out there where you can kind of be comfortable knowing that you're not engaging with a brook? I think there's several sites. And this is one, especially in my work with chronic victims, I always try to say to the family or to my victim, you know, what are you going to find to replace that behavior with? That relationship, that connection, that hope, that dream, that reason you now have for getting up in the morning, whether it's that chance to win that lottery, whether it's that boyfriend or girlfriend or fiance that you believe you're going to be spending the rest of your life with. And there are several online classes and meeting groups for ways that people have to connect. One of my favorites is called cyberseniors.org. It's great. They're out of Canada, but they have like classes weekly. Every day they have different classes and they actually have a phone number that you can call in if you don't know how to go online or there's certain things you don't know how to do safely. If you're age 60 and older, you can go on to that and they will tell you. They have different webinars posted every day that they do on different kinds of things from travel to exercise. And most of these do that. There's another one called covia.org. Get Set Up is one that's set up here in Ventura County. And then from what I understand, many states have taken that on and and it's supposed to be one of the largest, getsetup.org. University Without Walls, the Foundation for Arts and Healing, that would be artsandhealing.org or doratu.org. Lifelong Learning through OSHER has different programs through a lot of community colleges. And just a special one that I learned about, there's actually a virtual memory cafe for those with dementia to connect with each other safely. And that's dementiamentors.org, dementiamentors.org. Say that again. I'm writing this. DementiaMentors.org. And then there's also dating friendship sites for those with intellectual disabilities, which I think is just wonderful. Again, I'm not telling you that these are totally safe. Again, they should be monitored. People need to practice their safe skills. HTTPS, www.specialbridge.com and myspecialmatch.com. 
So those are kind of dating friendship sites or whatever for people with intellectual disabilities or adults with intellectual disabilities. So going on to some of these sites might be a good way to develop friendships with people all over. They are monitored. I'd say be careful about friending anybody in person on these kinds of things. But as long as you're online and on whatever that site is, it should be a safe place. And you can learn everything from new technology skills and staying safe online to exercise and cooking and discussing all kinds of things. I love the idea that with some of these frauds that are so compelling to people and they're so addictive. One of the strategies to get people off or away from those crooks is to give them an alternative, somewhere else to go, someplace where they can occupy their time in a much more healthy way. And so these are wonderful opportunities, I think, for people to have healthy online relationships. And it's it's great to know that there are so many out there. And Patty, maybe we can find a way to post some of these sites. Right. You know, I will go back and I will put it on our YouTube video of yeah. this interview with Debbie. I wasn't sure I got the second one, Debbie, after cyberseniors.org. Do you remember what the next one yeah, was? It was COVIA.org. I know you just have so many things you can share. Is there anything yeah. else? The importance of family and friends staying non-judgmental and being there for support, but also how important it is to report to the Internet Crime Complaint Center and the Federal Trade Commission. And we could talk about those things perhaps some other time. And if you've got issues and you're an older adult, the National Elder Fraud Highline, I really, really recommend. All their activity gets reported to Congress. It's actually run through the Department of Justice, Office for Victims of Crime. It's called the National Elder Fraud Hotline, and that phone number is one 372 8311. They can answer questions Monday through Friday. They serve all languages you can imagine. Anybody that's been a victim of a fraud or has someone that's age 60 or older that's been a victim, they're a wonderful resource. They do have case managers there that will help people walk them all the way through and even help them in reporting. Those are great sites to have. I have given those numbers out before, but we can't do it enough. You have to do it when somebody has a pen and paper in hand. So thank you for giving those sites once again, Debbie. And I I can't thank you enough for being with us today and imparting your knowledge and your wisdom and your just your perception of how these particular crimes should be handled. It's so, so helpful. And thank you also for continuing your great work. Yeah, thank you, Debbie. And thanks for being unleashed. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have you back, Debbie. Absolutely. (laughs) Doing what you're doing, too. Thank, Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. So I know that you have a fraud hotline number two in case someone is worried that they've been the victim of a fraud or a scam or someone they care about. And if you live in the Santa Barbara area, you can call Vicki. Vicki, would you give that number? Absolutely. My number is area code 805-568-2442. And I'll say that again, 805-568. 2442. And Patty, would you like to end this show with some good news? Do we have time today for some good news? <laughs> well, we'll fit it in somewhere. So I'm, yes, good news. We can't ever turn away from. All right. So I liked this headline, Nigerian National Extradited for Defrauding Elderly Victims and Money Laundering. Notice I emphasize the word extradited. 
So this is a situation where the crook lived in Nigeria and our FBI and Department of Justice was able to put together a task force, find him in Nigeria, ask the Nigerian authorities to extradite him and they cooperated and they sent him here and he is charged with creating fake online dating profiles to post on online dating websites like many romance scammers he would convince victims to send money to non-existent romantic partners or just to give them access to their financial accounts so the the fraudster could initiate money transfers himself or the crook as Debbie would say So we are thrilled that Nigeria is cooperating with us and extraditing these folks when we find these crooks. That's good news. Thank you so much, Vicky. I appreciate it. So until next week. Okay. Thank you, Patty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.